Hello, and welcome to the Zero Hedge audio version. If possible, we recommend you read along with the article, by clicking the article link in the description below. This article is titled, Rabobank, Coronavirus is the kind of risk that doesn't just put you out of your portfolio, but out of the game, submitted by Rabobank's Michael Green, China returned from a longer than usual Lunar New Year holiday today. Not the swathe of businesses that have been forced to close temporarily, and not the now tens of millions under quarantine at home, and not the villages that have barricaded themselves in from the outside world, just the financial markets. And, despite the promise from the PBOC, of CNY 150 billion 21.7 billion in extra liquidity, lower rates, and whatever it takes to get through this ahead of market open, the initial response was a complete collapse, at one point the Shanghai Stock Exchange was minus 8.7% on the day and recall that under the terms of the Phase 1 US-China trade deal, US financial firms are supposed to be diving into this kind of market aggressively, the Chinese currency, both off and onshore, has crashed through the psychological 7 level once again and trading in Chinese commodity markets has been suspended after iron ore, copper, crude oil, palm oil, and eggs all closed limit down on the day. Of course, there is going to be a spillover into other markets. You wanted to know what a real decoupling from China might look like, and or what a what if everyone just stayed at home and didn't buy anything? Economic thought experiment looks like? Well here you are folks. In terms of trade, Australia and New Zealand are at the front of the queue, as well as time zone wise. Add plunging iron ore to a cessation in Chinese tourist arrivals, and to the news that high value agri imports like lobsters are allegedly not allowed into China anymore, and you have all the ingredients for AUD to give up the 67 cent level, and NZD to give up 65 cent level. Yet other global commodity exporters are likely to feel the pain. For just one example, China's oil consumption is now down 20% according to sources quoted on Bloomberg. That is the equivalent of an economic depression, not a recession, landing overnight. Expect prices, and global inflation expectations, to follow suit. Indeed, there is already talk of an emergency OPEC meeting. Yet even ordinary exporters, and more so net exporters, of goods and services are going to get hit. In fact, you need to be a continent-sized, inward-focused, commodity importer to be able to ride this out comfortably. Perhaps the US and India fit that bill to some degree, but less than one might think, perhaps. Naturally, this kind of market sell-off imparts a natural tendency on the part of our not-so-natural markets for aggressive dip buying. However, as opposed to the headline of World War III, which triggered a bout of risk-off action at the start of the year, this sell-off appears far more justified. The same op-ed writers who did not understand the real politic of the Soleimani assassination and were wrongly screaming sell. After that event are today trying the argument that more people die from slipping in the shower, etc., than this coronavirus. This overlooks the fact that this virus has the potential to go exponential and become a global pandemic. It's a small risk, 
yes but it's a fat tail risk, that tens of millions of people simultaneously slipping in the shower really isn't. Indeed, it's the kind of huge risk that doesn't just put you out of your portfolio position, or out of business, but out of the game, full stop. Markets are quite right to react in a strongly negative, preventative fashion to this risk until we see evidence that it has been brought under control and the threat has truly passed. And we're not there yet, very regrettably. When we are, we see the real bounce. In short, panic measures, are not always a sign of panic, they can be rational. The global establishment of the WHO, by contrast, remarkably cavalier in their market-friendly approach that there should be no restrictions on free movement or free trade as a safety first measure, and we should all aim to find a vaccine. It's not a surprise, perhaps, that once again nation-states are thumbing their noses at that particular economic policy prescription from a famous acronym and imposing travel bans and, in China's case, import bans too, if the no seafood report is true. On which note, today is the first trading day of the bold new world of Boris Johnson Brexit. Headlines in that regard are that the UK is going to play hardball and is aiming to keep all its own fish, and for an EU trade deal somewhere between those of Canada and Australia rather than the far closer relationship that had been initially promised. Indeed, Bojo is talking about preparations for full customs border checks in 2021 once the transition period ends. That also suggests a healthy dose of risk-off is required. However, for whom? Some of the impacts of this kind of scenario could arguably prove more positive than the Brexit naysayers have long warned. NSANY which runs a huge car plant in Sunderland that has long been flagged as at risk under hard Brexit, is today claimed to have a contingency plan to pull out of European production and double down on the UK market instead, where it would then have a competitive edge versus tariffed European imports. So less EU exports, more UK local production, and more UK jobs, in that one industry. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Zero Hedge audio version, we'd like to thank the brilliant work of the writers, published on ZeroHedge.com, the Zero Hedge audio version is a non-commercial, independently sponsored program, designed to help people with visual impairments, dyslexia, or for people who need narration while reading articles from ZeroHedge.com. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a quick 5-star review and feel free to share this podcast with others.